Welcome. My name's Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm actually the Connections pastor, and as you heard a little bit already, our lead pastor, Dave, uh, is over in Ecuador with, uh, I think it's 15 people, so him and 14 others are working down there with the Compassion Organization, which we're very uh, connected to as a church. We... Um, do a lot of ministry with the connection, with the compassion group. And the cool thing is, uh, right about, I don't know, 20, 30, 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, Dave was standing up preaching with the translator, of course, in the church that we planted just a few years ago. So how cool is that? Let's give it up for yourselves for, uh, I'm so excited about knowing that we had a part in planting a church in Ecuador. That's really one of the things that we love to do here at Connect is, is connect our community to Christ, but that's also um, you know, a call that goes as far away as Ecuador. So, uh, so hey, listen, the team is supposed to be with us uh, next weekend, and you're going to hear more from them th at that time. On Wednesday, they're planning to travel back, so I'm going to ask you to continue praying for them. You, you know I've been praying for them. My daughter's on that trip, so uh, uh, I've been praying night and day for their safety, and not only that, but also that their ministry would be very effective, that they would accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish while they're there, and have favor with the, the people that they're supposed to. So... We're very excited about that and all that they're doing down there. Um, hey, one other thing before, uh, we, before I get into the message. Next week is our promotion Sunday, okay? And if you've been with us around this time of year, uh, you know, and I, I realize this does, isn't relevant to everyone who's here this morning, but it's relevant to a number of us. So this is the week where kids move up in their grade, all right? So this is the week where uh, kids who have been five-year-olds in preschool who are now going into kindergarten will move up to connect kids uh, and so on and so forth. So there's that whole chain reaction, you know, third graders move up to the fourth grade small group and things like that. So I say that for two reasons. First of all, I say it because we're gonna work hard next, uh, throughout this week behind the scenes to make sure the check-in process goes off without a hitch, all right? So that your, your child who's moving up to kindergarten advances into the, the Connect Kids class, all right? Also, the small groups, you know that if, if you check in your kids, they have a, a rug, which is a color on their, on their security tag. We're gonna make sure that those are advanced up, do our best to make that happen. So that's the first reason I tell you. But then secondly, if, if this is something that you need to talk with your child about and just let them know what to expect, you know, if you're gonna be going to connect kids to kindergarten um, to join the big kids now, I just encourage you, maybe you could have a conversation with them. Maybe you could um, let them know what to expect. Maybe walk them in and just make sure they're comfortable and just kind of get them ready. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All right, good, good. So in recent weeks, we've been talking about the subject of wisdom, right? We've been talking about one of the wisest men who ever lived, a man named Solomon, who was uh, called by God the wisest man who ever lived. And Solomon is this incredible, incredible leader who during his reign as the king of Israel, his wise choices led to prosperity and peace like none they had ever seen before. In fact, during Solomon's time as the king of Israel, other countries were coming to Israel to learn from him how to build a strong kingdom. His reign was a season of prosperity and peace and progress. He was building and not going to war every other year. So this was like an unheard of extended period of time, about 40 years when he was the king 
And there was all this good stuff going on, and a lot of that was due to the fact that he had been blessed with this gift of being wise. And so Solomon's the wisest man who ever lived, and we've been, we've been reading a lot of the, his sayings and some of the sayings that he collected into a book that we have preserved for us some 3,000 years later in the form of the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And, and, and we're gonna look at some of his wisdom here in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanted to read to you just a little bit of wisdom uh, that I gleaned this week from one of the real philosophers of our day. Um, somebody who many of you may be familiar with because he quarterbacked your team uh, for quite a few years. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you some words of wisdom from Jay Cutler, all right? Jay Cutler, all right, these are a few things Sports Illustrated posted, words of wisdom. By the way, did you know he has a reality show? I, I guess they'll give anyone a reality show these days. He said, regarding change, he said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it, or don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, when he talks about opportunity, he says, some people want it to happen, some people wish it would happen, and others, well, they don't really care that much. Um, on perseverance, he says this, I've failed over and over and over in my life again, and that's why I really stopped trying. <laughs> and then on the subject of success, this one's my favorite. He says, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's how comfy is it down there? Is there a soft bed? I like beds. Words of wisdom, Jay Cutler. All right. So those are kind of on par with what Brad taught us over these past few weeks. You know, you're kind of like, wait a minute, yeah. So, so, but I, I want to talk to you on this subject of wisdom because there's an entire book in the Bible that is dedicated to this one subject. And, and in this book, there's this constant call. Uh, uh, it, it comes up over and over, and it's a call to pursue wisdom with your life. It, when, when Solomon writes about it, he says, whatever you do during your lifetime, pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. And Dave did a great job in the, at the beginning of the series talking about how wisdom is more than knowledge, right? Knowledge is like information that you collect, but wisdom is how you apply that knowledge. Wisdom is how you decide what to do with what you know. And so over these past few weeks, we've been looking at subjects like how do we make wise decisions with our lives? We, we, we've talked about how to discern God's will for your life and take the right path. We've talked about one of the characteristics of a, a wisely lived life is hard work, you know, making hay while the sun shines, not waiting around until it's too late to try to make progress. And so those have been a lot of really good lessons that, that God saw fit to include for his people to kind of be reminded of. And I want to bring to you another side of this because we haven't really addressed this this side of the subject of wisdom. I wanna to talk to you today about wisdom in the area of your relationships. Wisdom in the area of the company you keep and how impacting this is on your well-being. So in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, there's this nugget of wisdom that many of you have heard before, and it says this, iron, just as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens a friend. So today what I want to do is I want to talk to you on the subject of relationships and how to be wise in this area. If, if you, I realize there are people in this room who may be new to this whole church thing, the whole Bible thing, um, so I'm not going to assume you understand this. But if you go through the Bible 
and you look at these different things that God created in the Bible, like things that were his idea that we have today in existence, there are three institutions that God created that speak to the subject of relationships. First of all, he created marriage. Marriage was his idea. In the beginning, there was Adam, there was Eve. God brings them together. Centuries later, the Apostle Paul writes about it in what we have known today as Ephesians chapter five. He says, a man leaves his father and mother, they're united together as one, and so on and so forth. So the first institution that God created was the institution of marriage. The second one he created flows out from that. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes... The baby with the baby carriage. Oh, you guys don't remember that one? Or either that or you're, you're just not there with me. Uh, then comes the baby with the baby carriage. So this, out of marriage flows the institution of the family. Also God's design, God's plan. Thirdly, there's the institution of the church. Also God's design, his plan, his intention. And the church, if you think about it, it came much later than those first two institutions is even though it's, it's got different function and, and it includes more people, the church has the same core as these other things. Marriage, family, the church. What do they all have in common? Relationships, right? At their core is this importance of relationships. And in, in, in seeing this and understanding that these God three times created institutions that were centered on how we relate to people, what that tells me is, number one, God created us with a very high capacity for relating to people, a very high capacity for, for um, being in relationship with others. And the second thing this shows me is that God created us with a soul that longs for healthy connections, relational connections. In fact, I believe, and this would be my assertion here today, that a soul is only as healthy as the relationships that one keeps. Your soul, we've been singing about, it is well with my soul. I love it when we're, you know, kind of bringing our awareness to this, this re very real part of who we are. The soul is something that is kind of difficult to understand. Um, but let me just summarize who, what your soul is for you, okay? Your soul is made up of three parts, your mind, your will, your emotions. Your soul is made up of your mind, what I think, your will, what I want, and your emotions, what I feel. And so when somebody talks about Andy Brown and, who, and they're describing me to somebody else, they may describe my physical features until that person knows who, you know, who we're talking about. But then when they continue talking about me, a lot of what they're doing is they're describing my personality, which is the outward reflection and manifestation of what, who I am inside, my soul. And so I believe that your soul and my soul are only as healthy as the relationships that we keep. And so today, I, I, I want to I talk to you about how important this subject is. I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever thought about how damaging it is uh, to your soul to be isolated, to be relationally isolated, emotionally isolated. Have you ever thought about how damaging that is? We feel like sometimes isolation is a protective measure, but it's really like a, a very real way that we punish ourselves when we go to that extreme. There have been a whole bunch of studies that have been done on the subject of solitary confinement. And I don't know if you've read up on any of this. Some, a lot of it's been in recent years. I actually read one study that was done, I believe this was in the 70s, 
when uh, some sociologists hired a bunch of college students to go into isolation chambers for an extended period of time and paid them money so that they would torture themselves, essentially. And the, the results of solitary confinement, psychologists and doctors and everyone will tell you, are things like this. Depression, anxiety, panic attacks, perceptual distortions, hallucinations, paranoia, problems with in, impulse control, and anger problems. Now, I, now, the one thing you have to understand is what, that these studies have shown that those things are way worse on the other side of this forced isolation, solitary confinement. And so what this tells me is that being disconnected from other people in general is a very damaging thing to your soul. These, these characteristics that I just read to you are not characteristics of a soul that you would define as healthy, are they? Those are, those are reflections of a damaged, fragmented, broken soul. And so, you know, if, if you think about it, there, there was a movie that came about, out about, what was it, uh, about 15, 20 years ago, a, a film called Castaway. You guys remember that film with Tom Hanks, Castaway? And he's this, I don't believe it was based on a true story. I think it was just, uh, you know, just a story. But it so perfectly illustrates this subject because the whole idea is he, his, ship, his airplane crashes and he's shipwrecked on an island and he's there completely alone, stranded, isolated. His only friend is a volleyball <laughs> that he finds that has the word Wilson on it, like that's the brand, and so he names it Wilson, and he, he begins, over this time of being isolated with this volleyball as his only friend, he basically, he begins to mentally assign to him a personality, and he has conversations with him, and he has fights with him, and he makes up with him, and he laughs with him, and, and it's this whole thing where, where he is desperately trying to relate to another human being through this volleyball. It's the closest thing he's got. And there's one scene in the movie, if you remember, where, where he's, he's in a cave, and I think he's like making dinner or he's making a uh, 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 you know, fire or something like that. So he's kind of busying himself, and he's talking with Wilson, who's like over here, and he's saying something to Wilson, and then Wilson apparently says something back to him that's offensive. <laughs> and and the, the character picks up the ball, and what he does first before he does that is he actually kind of like snaps out of it. It's almost like he has this moment of clarity where he realizes, that's just a volleyball. He didn't actually say that. But he, so he takes the ball, and he's like, this is ridiculous. Why am I? And he chucks it out of the, the cave. And he, he tries to continue making his fire, and a few seconds later, he's panicking. He's just gotten rid of the closest thing he has to a friend. And so he runs out into the night in the pitch black, searching, Wilson, Wilson, hollering out as if this volleyball is going to call back to him. He eventually finds it, and they continue their relationship. Now, of course, this is a fictional character, but this is a picture of this internal longing that we all have to be connected to other people. And, and so you may not be somebody who's physically isolated uh, from other people. You may be here today and you're in a family or you're, you sit by people at work or whatever. You may not have gone to that extreme where you live in the Arctic Circle and you've cut off all of society and you're doing this whole different way of life because you've been hurt and you've been betrayed, and you've been let down, and so you're just turning your back on all of that, maybe you haven't gone to that extreme. 
But there are people here today who have either emotionally cut themselves off from others or they're in the process of beginning to build that wall to isolate themselves from the people around them. There's another proverb in Proverbs 14 that says this, an empty stable stays clean, but no income comes from an empty stable. I remember once reading that years ago and thinking to myself, okay, good for the farmers. You know, that's, that, that proverb is not relevant to me. I don't even have a stable. I don't even know what they're talking about. But as you grow in your wisdom and you begin to understand, this is one of the most applicable uh, for everyone kind of verses that's out there. What does this verse mean? It means this. If you're going to have a stable and the point is the gain of the income, you're going to have to deal with a mess somewhere in the middle, Right? You're going to have livestock, and livestock make manure, right? And you're going to have to deal with manure. You're going to have to deal with whatever comes along with that because that's a part of the process. You can't have the good of the income without the bad of the, of, of the, the stable, you know, the manure and all the stuff that comes along with that. So this is such an applicable verse. You can apply this in every area of your lives. It's like that old saying, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Um, But I feel like a lot of times what people have done is they've seen, uh, they've, they've had instances where people have let them down. People have betrayed them. People have hurt them, misunderstood them. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you something that's a little bit disheartening and it's a little bit of a Debbie Downer moment right here. Um, The reality is, If you're going to be in relationships with people, that's going to happen. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be let down. You're going to be, at some point, deceived, betrayed, whatever. And I'm not at all making light of that today. And and here's the thing. You've got to find a way to deal with that, those feelings in a healthy way. And I wish I would, was going in that direction with this message, but that's not the direction I'm going at all. That's a whole nother topic altogether. What I'm talking about today is be, knowing that you're going to have those letdowns, those emotional withdrawals. You've got to have deposits, man. You've got to have people in your life who are depositing good into you. So when the inevitable disappointment happens, You've got it, and it doesn't wreck you. You can still go on. You can still live your life and understand that person that let me down, it stinks that they did that. I don't like that they did that. But they're flawed, and I'm flawed in my own ways. I would never do what they did, but I've hurt people too, right? And, and when, you're a little, when your soul is healthy, you can manage these things way better than when your soul is a wreck. So... Today, what I want to do is knowing that you have people in your life who are going to drain you. You absolutely have people who, uh, you know, there are people around you, people in your family. Every Thanksgiving, you you know, you have to get yourself psyched up to be around that person because they're just not easy to be around. And some of you are giggling because that person comes exactly to mind. Um, and, and, And so sometimes those are people who drain you, people who withdraw your emotional energy, your strength. They, they're, they're, you have people who you sit by at work who are difficult for you to be by every day because everything they say is like nails on a chalkboard and you're like, do I have, you know, you're like 
getting all angsty, uh, figuring out that you have to sit by them yet another day. So you've got people like that. You've got people who are, are, are difficult. You've got people who are judgy in your life. And feeling that judgment is, is an emotional drain on you. Knowing that you have those people, and we all do, we've got to also have the other side, the healthy relationships that bring us the energy, that, 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 that feed us, that make the deposits into us so that our soul is healthy to manage the, the difficult people. And so what I want to do today is I want to spend a few minutes here just kind of outlining four key characteristics of Healthy relationships. I want to show you, and this isn't necessarily an exhaustive list. This is just four things that come to mind for me that we all need. And I want to point, the, point these out and, um, and challenge you in two ways with them. So the first of which, uh, your relationships need to include, number one, acceptance. Acceptance. I view acceptance as the open door to the relationship, the open door to the relationship. Romans chapter 15, verse 7, Paul writes this, Therefore, accept one another, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. This seems to be a bit of a theme for Paul. He says this in another place on the subject of love in Romans chapter 5, just a you know, few chapters before this. He says uh, in that context, God loved you first and demonstrated his love for you. Before you loved him, this is what he did when he sent Christ to die for you. And here he's saying, God accepted you, and out of that understanding that God accepted you long before you accepted him, long before you opened up your life to him, he accepted you, and because of that, the expectation is you need to be accepting of the people around you and the people in your lives. So acceptance is this initial response to people, no matter how flawed they might be. This is exactly what Jesus did in his life. Do you recognize that Jesus' whole ministry, his whole time on earth, was filled with these moments where he would, he would encounter, like a lot of people in his day expected him to hang out with the religious big shots, right? The, the people who were known in the religious circle. Keep in mind, when he was in Israel at that time, this was a, a, like a theocratic sort of society, which means that everything revolved around God and God's law and God's morals and God's ways. And so there was this whole, like everyone, like the, the elite people in that society were the ones who were most spiritual. And everyone expect, expected Jesus to hang out with them. But you know who he hung out with, right? You've heard this a hundred times. Who did Jesus hang out with when he came to earth? He hung out with what? Prostitutes? Sinners? Known sinners? Tax collectors, which you could equate to like the local mafia? Because they were essentially um, extorting their own people for personal gain? Jesus hung out with the people who had only known rejection until that point. You understand that prostitutes were like the lowest low on the rung of the ladder. And who is Jesus accepting? He's not saying, hey, <laughs> you know, go, go get your life cleaned up and then come talk to me. You know, figure that we'll, we'll, we'll talk then. Jesus accepts them as they are. Flawed, broken, souls that have been shattered. There's stories that have led that person to making those life choices that have brought them to that point. But all they had known to this point was rejection. 
And all Jesus offered was acceptance. Acceptance is the open door in the relationship that says, hey, you got your junk, I got my own. I'm not worried about that. I accept you as you are. But then it always goes from there. And the second part of a relationship that that we all need is love. Not just acceptance, but eventually grow to a point of love. Love in Ephesians chapter four, verse two, Paul writes this. He says, always be humble and gentle and, and be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Making allowance. What does that mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying, hey, it's okay that you're like that. We're going to get to you know, that here in a little bit. But love is the glue. If, 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 if acceptance is the open door in the relationship, love is the glue that keeps you together when things are messy. When disagreement sets in, when disappointment happens. You know, I have people in my life who I love who we are polar opposites in terms of things we believe. And I have people, and I'm not one of these guys that gets on Facebook and just, you know, wants to spew my garbage out of my soul. I'm not one of these guys who wants to let everyone know how stupid they are if they don't see things the same way as I do. I'm not that guy. But I have people in my life who do that, and I'm on the other side of it saying, so that's what you're saying about me? <laughs> and, and, and I'm telling you right now, Like, there's a part of me that thinks, man, it would be so much easier to just walk away from this relationship. It'd just be so much easier to cut that person off. And and I know that there are times where you have to make decisions like that that are very hard. I'm not talking about that, but 99 times out of 100, when you love somebody and when that person is in your life, even those kinds of messy things aren't enough to split the, the relationship. So you need acceptance in your relationship. You need love in your relationship. Thirdly, you need service. Service of one another. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them, to ser- use them well to serve one another. This is a, a, an issue of p- putting the love into practice. Okay? When you love somebody, uh, you, you can't just say, I love you, and then kind of leave them to you know, sort their own junk. There are times where people need support. There are times where people need help. Um, you know, when, when, when somebody in your sphere has a baby and they're in the hospital, you practically bring them a meal t- to feed them. When somebody in your life is sick, you go to the hospital to visit with them, to pray with them. When somebody in your life uh, is, is moving, you say, what time are you loading the truck? I can come for all day on Saturday. Um, use me as you need. I can come for a few hours. When somebody you serve alongside is, uh, you know, just whatever they're doing, whatever is going on, whatever those needs are, when somebody's going through a tough financial time, you might call them up and say, hey, listen, I know what's going on. I can't pay all your bills, but is there a bill that I can take off your shoulders this month? Can I, can I help you out? These are practical ways that you serve one another. I, I want to tell you something <laughs> right now. Um, when, this, when your relationship gets to this level, there's a new kind of loyalty and depth of the relationship that is hard to walk away from. 
I have friends, and Jess and I have moved around quite a bit over the past several years until we settled back home in, in Washington. And when, when, we, um, when we moved here, um, you know, there, and every time we've moved, there have been people who have said, hey, what time are you unloading the truck? Or what time are you loading up? Or do you need help moving that couch? Or things like that. You want to know something? Those people are some of the people that, man, I'll do anything for those people. You know what I mean? Like, there's a loyalty. Uh, a few months ago, we were going through a personally very difficult time in our family. And Dave and Casey showed up one night to pray with us. And there's that that sense of like love and like uh, support that you receive from people. And, and I'm telling you, those, that's where lifelong friends are made, in those moments where somebody's weak and somebody needs help and you step up. We all need people like that. <clears throat> Fourth thing we need in relationships is the challenge, okay? It's that saying, I, I love you as you are. I accept you as you are. I love you through it but I love you too much to let you just stay there, right? I want to challenge you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You know, there are people in my life uh, who excel in areas that I don't, and every time I'm around them, it challenges me in that area. I had a a mentor in college. I was a young college student in Minneapolis, studying to be a pastor, and so I was interning under a pastor in a suburban Minneapolis church, and I, I, I went to him one day, and he was just kind of pouring into me and teaching me some things and stuff, and he said, Andy, here's, here's something you need in life. He said, you need at least four, four men you can go to. He said, for me, I've got, he said he had one friend who was, uh, who was a pastor who was a leadership guru. He said, every time I'm around him, I learn. I, I get sharpened in that area. He said, I have another friend who is just a prayer warrior. He just knows how to pray. And every time I'm with him, he's challenging me. What are you praying about? Who are you praying for? Things like that. He said he, meet, he met with another guy who was a physical trainer. And he, he had begun to, to develop better eating habits. and better Because every time he was around him, he was challenged to be better in his health. And the fourth person he met with was a financial guru. And every time he was with him, he was challenged to be better in his finances. Now, I, I don't know who you have in your life who challenges you. And even in the area of spirituality, there's a, there's a friend of mine who um, every time around, I'm around him, we'll get lunch once in a while or something. And he, whenever I'm around him, I'm challenged in the area of finances. Like, he just does it way better than I do. And every time I hear him talk, I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, putting it away, trying to think of how I can apply that in my life. And so I don't have a lot to offer him in that area, but you know what I have to offer him? I happen to be a little bit farther along in my spiritual journey than he is. And I feel like when I'm with him, that's what I bring. And so I'm able to challenge him in in a spiritual way and just say, hey, you know, how are things going? You know, walking him through those things. So we all need people who will accept us as we are and love us through it and challenge us to be better. Um, Your soul needs relationships. Your soul needs healthy, life-giving relationships. And in most cases, these, these don't just happen. I'm gonna tell you right now, the kinds of relationships I'm talking about aren't the kind that just, you know, you're like, oh, I didn't even realize 
You know, that's kind of where we're at in our relationship, you know? Um, usually these are the relationships that you have to be very intentional about. Very intentional about. When you're with that person, you have to be, keep in mind, you know, like almost have an agenda in a way, if that's okay to say. Um, but, but you need to be intentional about developing these relationships and pursuing them. I'll also say this. You can't have this depth of relationship with every person in your life. Not everyone who is around you is going to fit into what you need, but you need some. You need a handful of people, maybe couples, if you, you know, your couple friends, maybe uh, guy friends, uh, lady friends for your, for your spouse, whatever. But you need people in your life. And so I want to ask you this today. Who are those people for you? your life-giving friends, who are those people? Are you being intentional about pursuing those kind of relationships? And do you have people in your life who meet this criteria? You know, one of the things we try to do here at Connect is we try to provide you with environments where these kinds of relationships can flourish. And we try, it's kind of like you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. Man, I'm full of old colloquialisms right today. Yeah, that was another good one. Um, you can't, you can't force horses to drink. Like my dog last night, I take her outside to go potty and she wouldn't go potty. And how am I going to force her to go potty when I'm ready to go inside and go to bed? Uh, you can't force them to do it. So here at Connect, one of the things we try to do is we try to provide you with environments where these kinds of relationships can develop and flourish. Connect groups is one of our primary ways to do that. I know many of you are involved in connect groups. Some of you, you know, haven't made that step. And I just challenge you, like, if this is a, a thing that is lacking, these relationships that I'm talking about, I'm challenging you. Would you make a priority to find a connect group this fall? We're going to be doing a kickoff here in a few weeks. And, and, and the whole idea is in connect groups, you are accepted, you are loved, Ideally, you are supporting and serving one another, and then ultimately, you're challenging one another. You're calling each other throughout the week. Hey, man, I remember we prayed about that thing, that thing that's going on, that interview that you were going through. How'd it go? You know, that's like, that's good for my soul when somebody checks in with me on something that they talk to me about. So who are those people in your life? And then secondly, are you being intentional about being that kind of friend? Are you being intentional about being this kind of friend so that I'm telling you right now, you will be a people magnet if you become this kind of person. Jesus had crowds drawn to him. Maybe part of it was because he could feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Maybe some of it was because you know, he performed miracles and people got healed from sicknesses and rose from the dead and people saw this. Maybe some of it was that, admittedly. But I'm also convinced that there were a large number of people who were drawn to him because these were the characteristics he displayed in his life every single day. You will never lack for good friends if you are this kind of friend. This is one of the most important things and one of the wisest things you can do is to adopt this concept where just as iron sharpens iron and, and, and the, the, the picture there is that both blades are being equally, they're benefiting equally from the, the motion. It is mutual benefit, and everyone who's involved 
is getting better. Can I pray for you today? Bow your heads, please. Father, thank you so much for people who you love and people whose souls matter very much to you. And God, I believe that you've given us an answer in the Bible. You've given us a roadmap and you've shown us that there are certain things that if we live wisely, we will see good benefits in these different areas. And Lord, there are people here today who are not living wisely with regards to relationships. They're not allowing things to go past the surface. They've cut themselves off uh, and, and isolated themselves emotionally. And Lord, there's, there's damage that's happening deep within the soul. Lord, they may be able to try to convince themselves that they're okay, but Lord, I pray that you would show them where the, the damage has been done and where the holes are. Father, our souls long for relational connections, and I pray that people in this room today would find those lifelong friends who will be there for them in their times of need, who will challenge them to be better, accept them as they are, love them through the difficult stuff, and Lord, just, just build those friendships that are good for the soul. Lord, open our eyes to see what we need and help us to take the steps to enter into these kinds of relationships and help us to be the people that we've talked about today. Lord, we thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.